0: It's your boy, Guru, from Steiny and Guru, noon to three, right here on 95.7 The Game. Now back to my two guys. I
1: actually feel like I do a show with them on the changeover. Willard and Dibbs, right here on 95.7 The Game. All right, we may need to go back and redo those where we're all like, it's Guru from Steiny and Guru, like we know, right? Wouldn't it be weird if they're like, right?
2: Everybody knows who Guru is, right? Right, not everybody. You got to think about the new listeners to the program. You got to think about the P threes and the P fours out there, Mark. Not just the hardcores uh, Lay off.
1: Let's find out uh, what number Rich Ornberger puts uh, next to uh, to uh, to his listening uh, pleasure. Are you P one, P two, P three, P four? Rich Ornberger, uh, state your name and uh, and your preference, please.
0: Are you, are you talking about in terms of listening to Willard and Dibs? Yes. yes,
2: exclusively Willard and Dibs. Yes.
0: I'm a, I'm a P1000. I am a uh, robot from the future who has listened to all of your shows. I'll tell you what you guys are going to love how this whole show, this whole situation ends up. Really
2: Start calling you Ornbot.
1: Which Ornbot? Exactly. P1 <laughs> Yeah, P1000. That sounds like something that we should buy for our kitchen and it would just make cooking dinner a lot quicker. It slices it dices. Somehow it always ends up with food. Uh, with uh, when when nice. you come on, Rich, it never takes more than thirty seconds. Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm actually
0: hovering over a sandwich as we speak. So can we make this snap? Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. We'll get in. We'll get out. We'll get on. Uh, I don't know how to transition from the fun and the laughter uh, to last night. I really. And this is always true. I think you're a phenomenal social media follow. I I think one of the reasons we love having you on, one of the reasons it was great doing a show with you, you're very, very authentic. It's easy for people. You let people in, and you're an authentic human being in addition to being a former NFL player. So take us through, if you would, Rich, what goes on in the mind and the heart of a player when they see something like last night take place?
0: Well, it's uh, you know, players play through everything. We re- we really try to. I mean, if if you can just tape it and get me back on the field, or shoot it up and get me back on the field, I'll do it. And that's happening. I promise you. At every single one of the sixteen, if there's no bye week contest going on across the NFL, every single week, uh, there's somebody who's got a broken this or a sprained that, and they're stepping into, you know, uh, a side room off the locker room at halftime and they're getting an injection or they're they're getting uh they're, they're they're getting taped up or they're finding a way to fight through whatever it is. When something like what happened yesterday occurs and it's something tragic to that level where an ambulance is on the field alongside your your teammates and you're watching a guy fight for his life, that's a whole different story. because even, at, even with neck injuries, and I've been there numerous games where somebody was bodyboarded and taken off the field on a cart, and you know the, the little thumbs up, whether they're able to or not, and then later on you find out what the, search, the, the circumstance is going to be moving forward. like even those instances, as scary as they are, the game continues. The most jarring thing. About last night is they postponed the game. The NFL doesn't postpone games. I mean, when's the last time we saw a postpone? 911? I mean, they didn't, they didn't miss a single game during a worldwide pandemic. Like we didn't necessarily know if it was safe for people to be out there and playing football, and they said, you know, look, this is what we do, so this is what we're going to do, And they found a way to fight their way through an entire season without missing a game. It was profoundly jarring seeing the scenes of a player being resuscitated on the field because you were aware with the urgency that the first responders were were reacting to the situation with that the circumstances were dire, and then seeing the visuals of you know Josh Allen and and you know Joe Burrow and teammates of of uh, Damar Hamlin openly sobbing on the field, I'd be right there with them because that's, um, that is the most uncomfortable position you could be placed in is realizing that, you know, for this game that you've loved and played your entire life, that you, you've created your identity around it, you could pay the ultimate price for it. And, um, and that's a reality that everybody's faced with today, whether or not they've played football, you know, a single snap or never in their life.
2: And Mark actually told a great story about his teenage daughter who asked him about the player not being a football fan. And my wife herself, who doesn't watch football, we spent about 90 minutes watching the aftermath last night together. And this hits all of us as human beings, Rich. But the question for me uh, to you about being a football player is how do you go on if you're a buffalo bills player even if you're a Bengals player how do you find a way to to strap it up again and get back out there knowing that you know your teammate is in critical condition or even if he if he gets better how do you how do you find a way to move forward
0: well it's an interesting question but the the answer isn't that interesting um so the answer to that question is you just do it like at some point at some point during that that whole that whole incident that occurred last night, the players were made aware that the game was going to continue. I'm convinced of it, and and regardless of what the NFL is going to say, you know, to keep their PR clean. I mean, ESPN reported it. I know Westwood won and ESPN Deportes they, deported it, uh, they uh, reported it. They reported as well. You know this. This game was going to continue. And then it, it seems to me like it was that conversation between Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott that led to the players and the coaches leaving the playing field. And then the NFL executives who were on site then had discussions with, you know, players and coaches and came to the decision that the game would be postponed. But up until that discussion between Taylor and McDermott, it appeared to me that players were starting to rally the troops. They were starting to warm up and get ready to go back out there and play. Now, do I think that 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 would have been the best idea? Absolutely not. And I'm very, very happy that the game was postponed. But football players have this insane ability to compartmentalize. You know, it's it's really strange to say this today, but there's a sense of humor about injuries when you play a sport as dangerous as football. And I'm sure this is shared with boxers. I'm sure this is shared with mixed martial artists. I know this is shared in law enforcement where the stakes are much higher. We're talking about lives on the line in the military where there's this dark sense of humor, this gallows humor about injury. And you just have to sort of almost like laugh in the face of danger in order to get to the next day, to the next play, and not be rational about what you're doing because you wouldn't be able to operate. So I'm sure if if the coaches were on board and there wasn't any sort of you know revolt or discussion amongst players, that game could have been finished last night. But I'm so glad it wasn't because I don't think anybody was in the headspace to play a competitive football game. Um, I don't think that's what's best for Hamlin, for his family, uh, for any of those players on that field. So the right decision was made, but. I promise you the NFL is going to find a way to play that game. And I also promise you the players are going to be eager to finish that game.
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting thing you just said there at the end, Rich. Because before the show, Dibs and I were in the other room kind of talking about what do you think the Bills want? Because they've flown home. They've got another game this weekend. It's already Tuesday. Seeding is on the line for the AFC. I'm sitting here saying all of these things that people know. Well, ah, that's irrelevant because we're we're you know we're focused on Demar Hamlin, and that's true. But at, a, at, at like at a certain point, the the Bills have right. They've worked so hard to get to this point, and I think we're acting today like all of them would be willing to just be like, yeah, never mind. You know, forget the rest of the season, and and. I was like, I doubt that's what they they want. What do you think the Bills want this to look like over the next two to three weeks?
0: I think what they would want is some time to process what they all experienced, but I also believe that they would want to finish what they started against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think the Bengals want to finish what they started against the Bills. So I'd imagine a circumstance where even if it meant short rest heading into the postseason however the whole playoff picture shakes out um these players are going to want this game played because like you said what do you finish the game in a tie you know what the cincinnati bengals are leading by four points with five minutes left in the first quarter so do, do they win do you just do, you, do we just act like the game didn't happen you know uh, you know i th- those aren't those aren't great answers to a very complicated question and what we saw during the pandemic that we never saw in the history of the NFL are so many rescheduling of of games logistically where many people thought, well, it's impossible on short notice to play a game on a Wednesday if it was scheduled for a Monday. Well, it's sort of like a says who. We've never tried it, so let's try it. And they did it, and they were successful. Now, obviously, we were in a different time two years ago when all that was happening. What happened last night we're talking about a young man fighting for his wife today, you know, in the backdrop of this conversation, but like, let's, let's live in a world for a moment where demar Hamlin comes out of this successfully today and he's conscious and he's coherent and he can, and he can express his thoughts. Do you think he wants the bills, you know, to, to, to cede that game to the Bengals? Do you think I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he, Based on the sacrifice he just made, he he wants to see this thing through too. I, and I don't want to speak for him, but as a football player and knowing that brotherhood and knowing what the men in that locker room are made of, I'd imagine that would be the argument. So, I, I like I said, you know, what led us to this conversation, part of the conversation. I I really do find, I really think they find a way to get this game played if it means postponing the final game of the season for the Bills and their opponent, which I believe is the Patriots for week 18.
2: Yeah, the Bills uh, are at home. Cincinnati also at home for week 18. But what if it takes longer than just today, Rich, for him to come out of this? What if it's three days or four days and we, you know, he continues to be in critical condition heading into the weekend? Is it unrealistic to expect buffalo to go out and play a week 18 game or does this come down to what you're talking about with the compartmentalizing that football players must do
0: yeah i mean it's going to it's obviously going to take a discussion within that that organization amongst those players to come up with the answer but again this would be mere speculation from my standpoint just having been in locker rooms with players and this is a prideful group of people we're talking about um, I'd imagine I'd imagine they'd want to play and, and I who knows how well they play or you know if they are completely into the game whenever it's scheduled to be played but I'd imagine they'll want to finish what they started and and you know there's a part of me that I keep trying to put myself in the shoes, shoes of the players you know out there in Buffalo and think like how would I feel about this well I think the way I would I would I would try to wrap my head around all of this is the best way to honor the Mar Hamlin is to go out there and compete just the same way he did before this unfortunate incident, you know, and, and this is something that potentially could happen to anybody. You know, if it is, you know, commotion cortis Cordis or, you know, there, there's some speculation that this might've just been unlucky blunt force trauma shot to his chest that caused, arrhythmia and a ventricle at the exact right millisecond during the heartbeat that caused this sudden cardiac arrest. And if that's the case, it's, it's clearly an extremely rare occasion that this occurs because there's 200 tackles made a game. And this is the first time we've ever seen an instance of this in the NFL, um, at least in my lifetime. So, you know, considering the rarity of the event, if, if it is, you know, die or, uh, uh suspected that that's the case and with more information coming out from the hospital room and and the condition of DeMar Hamlin I'd imagine that that group is going to want to go out there and honor his sacrifice by beating the Bengals
1: Interesting stuff. Rich Ornberger uh, with us here on Willard and Dibs, 95-7 the game, the player perspective uh, after what happened with DeMar Hamlin last night with the Bills. Uh, Rich, before you you go, we'd love to hear your perspective on what has been unfolding with the 49ers and their quarterback position. Uh, do, Do you see it as many others do seemingly that Brock Purdy has just come in and the whole Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance conversation that happened over the last year is maybe going to be rendered irrelevant. This is the guy going forward, and, and what kind of chance do you give him in the playoffs?
0: Well, I, I I would say this. If he plays the way he's played during the regular season, I give him a good chance in the playoffs, but we got to see him when the lights are the brightest, when the season is literally down to a winner go home standpoint, um, because how many talented regular season quarterbacks have we given the moniker? They just cannot win in the postseason. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo... I think he's taken this team as far as he could. And the reason why they drafted Trey Lance is because they were hoping for that, that, that healing to be pushed a little bit higher to find a guy who has that it factor to get them over the hump in the postseason, you know, so they moved a tremendous amount of capital to get Trey Lance in the building to do that. So I don't know how Brock Purdy is going to perform in the postseason because we've never seen him in the postseason but if he plays like he's been playing in this regular season, he's done some things now that have really impressed me. I mean, that was a really good push by the Raiders. And he made some big boy, real deal NFL throws and really carried that team to a victory in overtime. That was an impressive outing. You know, they takes that sort of intestinal fortitude to win in the playoffs. when When the moment matters, can you rise to the moment? And he was really able to do that. But, you know, we're talking about we're talking about a regular season football game. So can that heartbeat stay low in the postseason? Can he truly push this ceiling higher the way Trey Lance was supposed to for this franchise? You know, when he was supposed to replace Jimmy Garoppolo, we'll see. But if he it replicates what he's been doing in the regular season, there's a good chance that this conversation could potentially be over as to who the next quarterback leading the San Francisco 49ers will be because he's won over the locker room. We'll just see if he can win, you know, later on in January.
2: Yeah, we're we're here for it without a doubt. Rich, last question, most important question. What kind of sandwich are you hovering over? Oh, I'm so glad you
0: asked. Uh, Thank you. It's a chicken salad sandwich, and I put uh, uh, ranch uh, Doritos on it. You know, like... That's crazy. There is, cool there is, <laughs> mm. There's something about like a, a like a perfectly made chicken salad town It's got the green onions, the scallions. Yeah, I mean, it's got some watercress in there, like the what do they call like the water chestnuts in there? Exactly, I like a little crunch. I mean, this is. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I I'm enjoying this conversation, but what I'm about to do, I'm going to enjoy much. Yeah. Is it be honest? Did you take
1: any bites while we were asking questions? Be honest. Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, hey Rich. Good honesty. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a good conversation, too. Rich, thanks, bud. It's always good to hear you. Happy New Year gone oh he laughs he ate <laughs> he's, 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 I mean, like yeah. he's gone <laughs> I,
2: i've never been a fan of chips in the sandwich chips with a sandwich yes but i've never don't really put chips in the sandwich not in the sandwich have you no. ever have you tried it and not liked I it i have yeah really I, I prefer to eat the sandwich but Brother, also eat the chips like doritos uh, nah, or fr- you nah, put fritos in a salami sandwich now nah, i'm good come I'm on good. bro fritos on the side sure Cool I, Ranch, I, I like know, a Cool Ranch uh, uh, Dorito, but not inside a I chicken mean, salad
1: sandwich. My lovely daughter, the one who asked about Demar Hamlin, uh, coming back from the bagel shop this morning, uh, her Subway order is literally to get just a turkey sandwich, pretty plain, and a bag of, as she calls them, blue Doritos. Those would be Cool Ranch Doritos. Yeah. And she's not eating the Doritos separately. Those Puts Doritos have been lined on the turkey sandwich. Okay. And she goes to town, brother. She goes to town. On that turkey sandwich Absolutely. with the cool ranch on the on inside. On the inside, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah I'm
2: not, I'm not hating on it. I- Inside. Inside yeah. Right, exactly. It's just not the way I roll. And it's uh, fine. I need, I, need yeah. you to, I need you to be authentic. I want you to roll the way you yeah, roll. And I, you know, yeah. I do enjoy a Cool Ranch Dorito. Better than the nacho cheese, certainly.
1: Oh, man, this is going to be so interesting. Uh it, It's now going to be, and I guess it'll last at least two weeks. I don't know what's going to happen with the schedule at the NFL. There are all kinds of things on the table. It's possible that the playoffs get pushed a week. Um, that's certainly on the table. It's possible the 49ers aren't going to play in two weeks because they end up the one seed. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, there's so many things. And so during that time, what Rich just said, and you said it too, is going to be the Brock Purdy thing. I've heard it now for three weeks. Well, let's see what happens if he's got to outscore somebody and they're down by 10 in the second yeah. half. Poof! You got he it. He did it. And he did it. And you can do all the... But it was a screen pass to McCat. You can do all you want. Yeah. I. It, it, you watched it. You play
2: to win I, the game. I
1: was there. Did he throw a pick? Did he get away with another one? Sure. That's what quarterbacks that's do. football. Jared Stidham threw two picks. And everyone walked away going, That guy's amazing. And Derek stinks, Uh Including the pick that, that lost the game. And I get that you know, Nick Bosa threw an alignment into him. And all those things. Brock Purdy was, again, really good. This stuff doesn't happen by accident. You don't win four or five games in a row in the National Football League. really they, good after halftime.
2: Shaky first half. They didn't well, throw it a
1: lot. They didn't ask him to throw right. it a whole lot. A lot, lot right? of checkdowns. And, and the Raiders were on long drives that, that were surprising. Yep. Like, Believe me, being in the, in the building, this was the question everyone was asking themselves. And you probably were, too, at home or wherever you brought it in. It's like... What the hell? You kept expecting the 49er defense to be like, okay. Like, the Raiders get the first touchdown, and it's the oh, same nice as— Knife through butter. Right, just like Justin Herbert did. And you're like, okay, the Niners do that sometimes. A little soft, you know, to come out, feel it out. D'Amico Ryan's bow. They're not going to score again. Next drive. Right in the field. And the next drive, right? I, we get to like almost the fourth quarter. I look at Christie, I go, The Raiders' punter hasn't come off the sideline yet. Exactly. What the, the only time the Niners stopped them is when they got the goal line stand at the one yard line. I'm like, What the hell is going on? And it actually felt that way all the way to the end. The Raiders go on a drive to send it to overtime, all of that. And then only when finally Nick Bosa got in there. Yep. Banged, banged the lineman off of Stidham, forces the pick, 49ers win the game. But uh, that's going to be the new thing. The new thing is, okay, Brock, green check on everything we could have asked. So far. Now do it in the playoffs. Well, and
2: also, Mark, there's one thing he hasn't done yet. What's and that? One on the road. Because that was not a road game. That was a neutral well, except for worst. I'm talking hostile environment. Yeah, but like,
1: I don't know if that exists. This fan base is so Crazy. Like, I, I what's I guess if you go to Philly, sure, that's going to be a hostile environment if you end up in a playoff game there. And I know the playoffs are different because home teams will keep their, their tickets, but,
2: like, I, I could not be— And this, I guess he did win at Seattle. I the, should give him credit for that. Right,
1: but, like, the 49er fan base, something's happened over the last five to ten years— right. Right? Did you see what's the ticket outlet that always does the predictive? Like it's going to be. I think it's Vivid Seats or something like that. that sounds right. Sixty percent Forty Nine er fans in this game. They did some year end award. Like uh, the fan base of the year is. I don't even need to tell you. you Already know, it's the San Francisco Forty Nine ers highest percentage it's, of it's road attendance. I think everywhere yeah. travel everywhere for these games. It was unbelievable
2: in that stadium. Yeah. And oh, I oh. mean, you had the Raiders needing to go to a silent count. You could hear the Niners <laughs> on TV when the Niners are on defense. You could hear the, ah! and it was it was incredible.
1: Yeah, Uber driver on the way over goes, "Wait, do you guys see this place? It's going to be so loud." And it was. Like that, man, they did a great job.
2: And I want to get your Allegiant Stadium take here on the other side. Because Dude. you said you loved everything about it, except you did see the one thing that is Allegiant Stadium's kryptonite. I'm looking forward to hearing okay. that.
1: Yeah, so Mike Silver's coming up in just a, a, a few minutes. Um, oh, and we then, can push him. I want to yeah, hear this. Yeah, man. <laughs> man, what's he got to do? But I will. I will say this. Allegiant Stadium was great, but I did. I found its kryptonite. But then I also found something on the other end of the spectrum.
2: Is that that three doors down with Kryptonite? It it is so... I will blow
1: your mind with something that is so great about Allegiant Stadium. I literally left the game three hours after I had seen this, and I still couldn't believe that it wasn't a mistake. Troughs in the urinals? You would not (laughs) believe... This. okay, Chris and I still looking at each other at the end of the game going,
2: there's no way.
1: how Like, how is that that great? Okay,
2: so... We'll, oh, I know what it is. Uh, don't? I, no, no. Because you... Ah. I think he shared it on... You shared it on one of the platforms. Maybe it was on our show thread. But I might have. I, I might I, I, have. I thought it was a typo. Not a typo. Not, not a typo? Not a typo. Not a, typo. Not a so doctor? All of that is
1: coming up. Mike Silver's coming up. Your phone calls on Damar Hamlin, Brock Purdy... Klay Thompson, or whatever you want to talk about, 888-957-9570, 957thegameshop.com. As we get ready for the playoffs, all of the gear, you got the relevant shirts, the DPOY shirts, hoodies, all the gear from all the shows, 957thegameshop.com on Willard and Dibs. J.P. with the Golden State Warriors. Now back to Willard and Dibbs. Okay, J.P. Got through that one nice and cleanly. This just came down from Adam Shafter. And then uh, Mike Silver standing by. So uh, we can loop Mike in here on Willard and Dibbs. Glad you're with us. And, uh, and just pass along the breaking news. And Mike, we'd love your reaction. Here's the NFL's update on the Bills-Bengals game. By the way, the Bills also updating Demar Hamlin he spent last night in the intensive care unit, remains there today in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Grateful and thankful for the outpouring of support we have received thus far. So, no major change there in terms of his condition, but... Uh, continuing to work and fight and hopefully move toward recovery. The NFL has this update on the actual game and the Week 18 schedule. NFL continues to be in regular contact with the medical team for DeMar Hamlin. After speaking with both teams, the NFL PA leadership, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell informed the clubs today that the game will not be resumed this week. The NFL has made no decision regarding the possible resumption of the game at a later date. The league has not made any changes to the Week 18 regular season schedule, and they will continue to provide additional information as it becomes available. Mike, what do you think about all of this?
3: Uh, Well, first of all, obviously the biggest concern is DeMar Hamlin's health, and we're all praying and hoping that he's going to be okay, and that's Still in the balance right now, and and you know I, I speak for everyone in the NFL community. I think because I've been communicating with players and coaches and executives and and owners, and it's you know that's that's the paramount concern. And yeah, um, you know they have to. It is a business, and they have to figure out how to. Go on and they will, and whether that game is played or not, they there will be a way, it won't be perfect. But, um, you know, it, it's certainly understandable that they would not try to wedge this game in now. Um, you know, the NFL has insisted that they were never considering continuing that game, it, it sure. Looked otherwise in terms of what was being reported on television and the radio and, and body language. Um, but, you know, I've been through a lot uh, of scary situations covering the NFL as long as I have. There have been near deaths, there have been tragedies uh, preceding games, and uh, there have been tragedies that transcend football, such as 9 11. And in almost every case, um, the impulse from the league. At least initially, has been the wheels of commerce don't stop. We will play. We have to play these games. That includes COVID, by the way. And in most cases, the players have had the right instincts, which is, hey, calm down. Let's take a beat. This is heavy. Let's get our bearings and then decide whether we're going to deal with football or not. And, um, you know, I know players get stigmatized a lot as these kind of you know self-centered uh, myopic uh, you know uh shallow people and i i'm just telling you in my experience they've been the ones who've been on the right side of it and who have perspective and who get it and the people in charge of the business have tended to be on the wrong side of it so with all that said i'm just glad they didn't keep playing last night uh, I'm glad they're not going to play this week. And uh, you know I think we're all just kind of on pause while we wait for hopefully
2: some good news. That's well put, Mike. And I think it gives uh, everybody in the NFL time to focus on what's important, which is Damar Hamlin and hopefully his speedy recovery and his eventual recovery to to being able to to get out of the hospital at some point and and just make it back to to being a healthy human being. And there's really no easy way to transition to, football on the field but you know we're gonna have football again come saturday week 18 and a 49er team that's gonna look to maybe secure a top seed but first let's look back at that that raider game what were your takeaways from a defense that gave up 500 yards to the raiders and brock purdy who seemed to take another step toward being the real deal
3: well, as far as Brock Purdy, um, you know, it's kind of what we've been waiting to see. And through no fault of his own, he had not really played from behind. You know, I guess they were technically behind when he came in for Jimmy against the Dolphins. But you know, he hadn't had to get out of game, hadn't played from behind, hadn't been, uh, you know, in that tough of a circumstance and here he was and he brought him back from down 10. Wasn't perfect through a pick. Got some help from the defense when they intercepted it right back. Um, you know, put them in position to win in regulation. Um, again, got some help on a ball that popped up into the air that Brendan Ayuk was able to track and, and catch. And, um, and then even after the missed field goal, Uh, the defense, for all of the yards they gave up at points, Uh, they did make a big play, both pushing Colt Miller into Stidham, the ball going up high, and then whereas Brandon Ayuk had been in position to bail out his quarterback, there was no one in position to bail out Stidham, and You know, you you can't take those interceptions for granted, as I'm sure every 49er fan would agree who witnessed the NFC Championship game last year. So Tayshawn Gibson went and made a play and caught it uh, and, you know, went 56 yards. So good win for them. Uh, You know, I don't think people need to freak out about the defense. They've been so good for so much of the year. Um, You know, you're not going to be dominant every single game. Uh, If you're going to have a game where you get, um, messed with a little bit. Much better to have it be now than two weeks from now or after that. Um, the Raiders do have a ton of weapons, and of was getting the ball out, and um, you know, I, I'm sure it's human nature to maybe ease up a little bit. You know, and, and that's the thing. Football is an intense game, and, and you know, not to bring it back to the. Circumstances of last night, but I, I just think people on the outside don't always realize how heavy it is and um, what these guys have to do mentally and emotionally to get into that space to have that edge. And the 49ers have been a team that has been able to find that edge over and over through long stretches uh, after it hadn't been there last year. We saw that happen after the 3-5 and five start, this year after a 3-4 and four start. And, and it's really... Uh, it's not something that should be taken for granted. It's really, really hard to do collectively, individually. And, um, you know, they go to a, a pretty crazy space on Sundays. And um, and so, yeah, you know, with Hamlet, it's obviously paramount is his health and how's he going to be. But when I say they shouldn't play, I'm thinking about the people who were there on both teams and especially the Bills, who saw you know as someone that they work with and care about um you know who saw that happen and and so there's a mental health issue to you know be reckoned with too it's you know it's something that happened at the workplace and their work is different than we can fathom and they they really do go into these games believing that it could be the end and maybe the end is a torn ACL they never recover from, or maybe it's worse and they have they know that on some level and they they go to that space for our entertainment and um, you know i I just think asking them to go back out after they've been eyewitnesses to to that and are dealing with the aftermath of that is a lot and I, I bring this back to a 2012 game in kansas city that i covered for yahoo and javon belcher then a linebacker for the chiefs on saturday had uh, murdered his girlfriend in front of their three-year-old uh, went to the team facility and then took his own life with a gun with his head coach romeo cornell general manager scott pioli and another coach standing there right there trying to talk him out of it i i at the workplace i mean i just can't Imagine anything more traumatic, and the players knew about it, and it it were right there, not eyewitnesses, but it happened while they were at work. So uh, they played the next day. I was not in favor of it before that happened. I still can't believe they did it. Uh, I covered it. I wrote about it. Um I talked to players afterwards, and saw the raw emotions, and it was a lot. and I, I just hope we're getting to a place where, we can take the mental health of the people um, who experience this in the workplace. Um, into account as we make these
1: decisions. Yeah, no doubt. I think it's all well said. Mike Silver with us here. Weather in Dibs ninety five seven. The game. There's so much going on uh, and involved in all of these. The decisions that are being made. The uh, the experience the players are having. That it's it's hard for us to uh, uh, to uh, to really understand. I think at a at a fully fully educated level. Um, soldiering on with it. You know, I know your original answer was talking a little bit about the uh, the Forty Nine er Raider experience. And and you said something in particular that stood out about the defense. You said, I don't think uh, this was a game uh, where fans should freak out about the defense. I I had a former NFL player tell me that he sort of thought this said something about the play of Derek Carr. That Derek Carr checks it down so much that the 49ers got caught not no not expecting this not knowing what was coming because none of it was on tape and that's why stidham was allowed or able to throw the ball downfield as much as uh, as he did do you do you agree with that assessment
3: well look i've heard a lot of things um leading into this about the flaws with that offense and that scheme and the play calling and uh that's not just you know, people on the outside, that's coming from inside the house, right? Uh, players and others have been saying that. And um, and then you saw Jared Stidham, a very unaccomplished quarterback, uh, come in and do it differently. And all of a sudden, the offense looked a lot better and the playmakers were getting the ball. And that would be the counterpoint, right? So I, I know Josh McDaniels really well. I know Derek Carr really well. I respect him. The heck out of both of them, and um you know something wasn't working in year one of an offense with a, a veteran quarterback and a coach who's had a lot of success calling plays. Uh, the Patriots have gotten worse with Josh McDaniels gone, um, and the Raiders certainly would have been worse for most of these last nine years, um, you know, without Derek Carr. I just, uh, you know, I I think we still need to kind of sort through the pieces, but clearly there was a disconnect, and uh, and I'm not saying Jared Stidham's going to do this every week, but there's a different approach, um, you know, when you have Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller that, um, you know, can hopefully for the Raiders be effective.
2: Just Devontae Adams, I mean, the more you think about the performance that he put on, is he, would you put him on the short list of best receivers in the NFL?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, and I have been for, for years. And, uh, you know, receivers uh, don't have total control, right? They have to. You know, Devont, or DeAndre Hopkins is an incredible receiver. Does he look as good with Trace McSorley as his quarterback? Uh, no, he does not. Uh, but, um, you know, so it's – but when we look at receivers, yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams, he's incredible at getting off the ball um you know is incredible with the ball in the air as we saw in that game and uh and just you know one of the truly good people you know who who cares about his team and his craft and uh is accountable he you know he's had some bad moments like when he collided with the uh camera guy after the disappointing loss. He apologized for that, but for the most part, he's an incredible story for East Palo Alto uh, and, you know, experienced a lot in his childhood and, and has done it the right way, so really proud of him in general. Um, he, he's also a guy who, you know, came to the Raiders partly because his dream was to play with his close friend Derek Carr, his college teammate obviously things have not gone well and Derek Carr got benched and will never play for the Raiders again most likely and he could have pouted or not been himself uh if anything he just raised his game so you got to give him a ton of credit and yeah you know look the Chiefs shredded the Niners they were not fully healthy that game but that was an eye-opener um you know this happened with Jared Stidham that is going to freak some people out I I don't think it means that they've been exposed, but you always wonder, right? In in twenty eighteen the Rams I covered that game in Chicago late in the season, that Monday night game where they uh Monday night, Sunday night maybe, and uh they just uh you know, they did not uh play well and the Bears defense messed with them and that kind of became a blueprint that uh, Belichick was able to draw from in that Super Bowl and ultimately Sean McVay had to kind of uh, evolve his offensive approach because of some of the things that Vic Fangio's defense in that game uh, you know, made problematic for the Rams. So you always wonder but uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a schematic uh, genius, but it seems to me that that was just one of those
1: rough days. Mike Silver with us, Willard and Dibbs. Hey, Mike, uh, real, real quick, how do you think the Forty ers play this weekend? Uh, we, you know, they'll know what's going on with the Eagles. The Eagles' game's at ten. How, how aggressive do you think the Forty ers play this one?
3: Well, even if the Eagles, um, you know, even if the Eagles win that game, I still think two is better than three, and I think. You know, because you believe you have to win. Uh, you know, with Minnesota uh, possibly winning and then taking the two back, um, I think you do play to win. Unfortunately, you're playing a team that I think you know the cars will be running. You know, they're not at home. But if they were- if the Cardinals were at home, their cars would be running at halftime. They'd be paying <laughs> at halftime. Like just they start up for me because you know this one's over. and I'm out of here. Um, I, you know, look, I, I think. Kyle Shanahan has enunciated this pretty well. Every coach feels differently about it. I don't believe there's a right way. I'm personally a fan of not subjecting guys to injury. I remember when Wes Welker got a serious injury in a game he didn't have to be playing before the playoffs in New England. And I'm like, you know, you, you just hate that. But. Um, I don't believe there's a hard and fast answer. I, I, I know what Kyle believes based on what he's enunciated, and I think it's reasonable. And he said, look, there's a risk in injury, but there's also a risk in telling football players to turn it off for a while. And this goes back to what we talked about before, that crazy edge. And then telling them to be at their absolute best collectively and individually individually. You know, a couple weeks later when the playoffs start, you want them to keep getting better and keep having that edge. And so coming off a loss, technically needing to play, I think Kyle's going to play to win. But with the caveat that if it's somebody who is important and could hurt themselves more uh, based on what they already have, you know, if Dre Greenlaw's back is a thing, but you think he's going to be okay for that first playoff game, but he could hurt it more then you try to win this one without Dre Greenlaw. You know, you make that call on Debo, right? So he's got to make those calls. And I think during the game, if you start to feel comfortable with a lead and the way things are trending, you can you can try to, you know, make some decisions. Uh, Purdy's an interesting case because you obviously feel like he's very, very important, but he has so few Reps live that you also want to get him as much experience as possible, um, you know. So I think I think you'll just see Kyle go in as though he's trying to win, uh, with that caveat that you know he's going to err on the side of caution with players who already have injuries, and then try to vibe it out as he goes through it.
2: Huge competitive advantage knowing that the two teams that they're competing for seeds will have already played the majority of their games before that.
3: Yeah, it's oh you know. well, if Minnesota's early, then yeah, see, okay. Yeah. I'm not looking yeah, yeah, I think, the it's, I think it's actually
1: early. the other way around. It's the Vikings that are early. The Eagles uh, it, it kick is alongside the yeah, 49ers in the late okay, window. Okay. So, so that's right. what it is so now. If, yeah.
0: if you decide
3: you don't really care about the one and the Vikings uh, lose, then you can not worry about it. If the Vikings win, you have to win if you want the two. I think the one's more important. I, you know, the I agree. The three they're going to go to Minnesota potentially if Minnesota wins and have to play in a dome. I I don't think that freaks them out, but I do think you can get the one, the extra week of rest and know that you're home the whole time. So I think the way the Eagles are playing with Minshew, I think you have to go for it.
1: Uh, Mike, great stuff, man. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it so much. Always. All right, thank you very much. All right, there it is. Mike Silver, San Francisco Chronicle, with us every week on Willard and Dibs. It's yeah. a
2: joke, by it, the way, which? the way the NFL does this. You've got the Chiefs playing on Saturday. So the Chiefs are going to have a huge advantage over everyone they're competing against. They're going to have an extra day of rest. The, one of the few things that I love the most about European soccer is that even in the World Cup, you play those games simultaneously. In Week 18 in the NFL, every game should start at the same time on the same day. The 49ers have a it, huge advantage over Minnesota. They're going to know what Minnesota has already done. right? And they're going to be able to base their decisions on what has already happened in the Minnesota game. It's a, My memory is either off, which is
1: highly possible,
2: or this is different. I,
1: like it, I thought it always used to be that... Um, Everybody played on Sunday, the final week, so as not to create that edge. Now, here's the other thing to throw into that. Football now offers the Monday night game in the playoffs. Right. Which means inherently somebody is going to have more rest. Uh, than, than someone else. Yeah. Now, usually those two teams are playing each other. I understand what you're saying. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, this whole thing, if, if you want to bring the unfortunate situation surrounding the Bills and the Bengals, is they're sitting there going, look, w- we're both still in play for the one seed, but we have no idea what's going on with the game that we just tried to play. And the Chiefs are going to play on Saturday. Right. And then potentially have extra rest while we figure out what's going on. I mean, Kyle brought up an idea earlier uh, before our show that, and, and you pointed this out. It's I think great it, idea. It, well, it's, pro- it's based the most on practical thing to do. Based on what we're seeing today, this may well be the way it plays out. Instead of that two week window before the Super Bowl, just move all of the playoffs back one week. Only have one week between the championship Sunday and the Super Bowl. Yeah. And use next week, which was going to be the first week of the playoffs, for a standalone Bills-Bengals. Go finish your game presumption, yeah. And then we'll have all of the seating for the following week. That may well be the case, but so many logistics will go into that. Are stadiums available that weren't supposed to be used? That following right. week, all of that stuff. So But God, even short of
2: that, and you know, the Chiefs play Saturday, and if they win against the Raiders, which is no guarantee, but the Chiefs will be heavily favored. They go to fourteen and three. So now the Bills have to find a way to pick themselves up and go out and win. And it's uh Twice. They, they got a home game Indiana. against the Patriots, right. divisional rivalry. Patriots are, you know, still playing for something. A ton. Yeah, and so then you gotta find a way to come back. At some point, resume a Bengal game, win that, and then head into the playoffs the week after that. And Meanwhile, Kansas City, they're going to have a Saturday game. And if they get the one seed, <laughs> Mark, they may wind up not playing for two and a half weeks Which, or so.
1: And I don't know if that's actually an advantage or exactly. not. Exactly. That, that's almost too much rest. So a lot still to uh, to be figured out on that whole thing for sure. Um, the
2: Gi- Jags and Titans, too. A Saturday night thriller. And the winner, the winner.
1: The winner goes. Yeah. The winner wins the division. winner wins the South. And then obviously the Sunday night game, same thing the very next day with Detroit at Green Bay. And Have that's you ever basically been a bigger
2: Lions fan in your life? Well, okay, let's talk about that for a second. I want Ayahuasca out. You want him out? Well, plus my neighbor, Cameron Davis, I've told you okay, all about. Right. He's, he's on, on the, on the staff. staff. I'd
1: love to see the Lions in I, the offs. I think America will be rooting for the Lions. It's a road story. It's hard knocks. It's yeah. biting kneecaps. To <laughs> so all right, that, They're yeah. at Lambeau Field on a Sunday night in January. It'll probably be freezing cold, all of that. Um, but... What if I asked you this? Who scares you more right now as an opponent for the 49ers? The Packers. Really? Oh, yeah. I think the Lions are a way better football team right now, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Jared Goff against the
2: best defense
1: in football doesn't Uh, scare me. Does Aaron Rodgers, because we've watched that story before, he's had
2: how many chances he can't score on the 49er defense. We've watched it for two, three years in a row. Quarterback's the most important position in football, and Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. Not this year he's not. Not this year he's not. Last month he is. The last month he's been unbelievable. Goff
1: has too. Goff has, been, Goff has been the most underrated quarterback in this entire league Shout this year. fantasy football. Yeah, nobody has. Even, even just if you want to just go into stats and 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 you know quarterback rating if you want, whatever. They've been very, very effective. I think the 49ers would torch the hell out of their defense, but I think they would torch the hell out of the Packer defense too. Like These teams don't really, really scare me, but there is a new deal with that, we were expecting that, FDR. that first game. If you go back to three weeks ago, you're like, "Oh, is it is it Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, or Taylor Heineke who's coming in here for the first game?" You're like, "Whatever, whatever, right, right. and whatever." And now all of a sudden, you're like, "Wait a minute, is it going to be Aaron, Aaron Rodgers or this Lions team that's only lost twice since the start of November?" I mean, it's different. It's different. I don't think the... I, look, I think the 49ers will beat any one of them.
2: They'll be favored by probably eight points over either one. I agree. No one a touchdown, I, I, I agree would with that. imagine. I yeah. agree with that.
1: All right, look, some of you want to weigh in. If you're on hold, stay right there. If you're not, let's get on the phones. 888-957-9570. In addition to more on the Warriors situation and more on Brock Purdy and the experience in Vegas, I... Have got to tell you some stories from inside Allegiant Stadium. I told you the story during the break. Did it blow your mind or did it blow your mind? It blew my mind. Okay, I still, I,
2: I don't believe you, Mark. And you're not, you're not big I, on lies. I'm a truth teller. Yeah, you are, Dan Dibley. <laughs> and so damn, that's full name. Yeah, yeah. You must be serious. What's your middle name?
1: I'll t- yeah, tell you. <laughs> that's it's coming up next. Willard and Dibbs, ninety-five-seven. The game.
0: Oh, hey, Dan Dibley.